Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Well, praise God. Somebody give the Lord a great big hand praise. He is worthy of all our praise. I am so excited uh, to have uh, Pastor Cyrus Rod in the house with us this weekend. This man is, is, God is just using him in a mighty way, opening up doors for him. And he's from Uganda, Africa. Uh, uh, money, of course, is not as free over there, flowing as it is here. The work he does on such limited resources would blow your mind. Uh, God has exalted him. I don't know how many years ago it was, Pastor. I was in your church, and God gave me a prophetic word for him. Was it 10 years? That, that he would be a voice coming out of East Africa. You remember that prophecy? Like the sun rising in the east, that he would be a voice that covered the uh, Africa. Uh, now, we're talking about a place that's limited in transportation. Uh, uh, you know, he, that's when he was beginning and starting out. Well, today, he is on a television network that since they put him on it, their ratings have come up. Other stations are wanting to get him, and his voice is going all over Africa. Just, just God just picked him. And here's what's crazy about it. It's a secular television program. And, and the ratings are going up, and people are calling, and they want to hear uh, this little guy from over on the east side of Africa. So God is using him in a phenomenal way, and it's just beginning. Matter of fact, he don't get to stay long in the States um, uh, this time because of responsibility to get back and filming. And I'm telling you, he's doing this on God's budget. Uh, it's just amazing how God is opening up the doors for him. So I'm telling you, I trust him with all my heart, a mighty man of God that seeks the face of God. So I want you to just open up your spirits and receive. Would you stand? And let's give the Lord a hand praise for the gift to the body. Come on, Pastor of Christ. Uh, he'll also be back in this pulpit tonight. Uh, so you're not going to miss that at 6 o'clock this evening. Amen. Come on, Pastor. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you take your seats in the presence of God? I am glad to be back here. I know this is home, at least to me. I feel at home when I'm here, and I'm so glad to be back here. It's been a long time since I last stood behind this podium and before the saints of God. It's really been a long time, but uh, God enabled me to make it this year, and I'm so excited to be here. And I want to bring greetings from my wife. I have a beautiful wife. Yeah, she, she, she's really beautiful, and uh, I love her. By the way, I don't love her because she's beautiful. She's beautiful because I love her. Hallelujah. Amen. So I am so excited being here and uh, seeing the faces, old faces, new faces. It's a pleasure. And looking at all these flags and then I see Uganda over there. I am so encouraged and very, very encouraged. 
Thank you so much for supporting me. I can tell you being able to do what we do over there, yes, just by faith to be able to do what we've been able to do in Africa. I also want to say thank you because this church has enabled that. You are a people that have never turned your backs on me. You have been with me. You have stood with me. And because of that, I am seeing God do so much more through me as a vessel. But I, thank God, I can see the people that stand behind me. Thank you so much. And may you continue doing that. And I assure you, you are more than blessed, much more than blessed. And I also bring greetings from our church, Dominion Faith Church, down there in Kampala, Uganda. They know I am here, and they're excited about it. As a matter of fact, I believe some people are actually tuning in to Facebook, trying to make sure they follow up with what is happening in Life Church of Columbia, Louisiana. <laughs> Having said all that, I believe that uh, I can be able to start ministering the Word of God. Amen? When I left last time, there were things were a bit different, but when I came back, I see the changes that continue to happen, and I am so glad. I'm so glad about Whitney over here. And I told her, I am happy that y'all are married. I am so excited. And when it comes to, yeah, okay, they've moved out, okay. But I'm also happy when I see marriages going on. It's, uh, it blesses my heart. It blesses my heart. Because you know one thing is that before even God ever told us to preach the gospel, he called forth marriage. Before anything ever came in about the gospel, he ordained marriage. So it can be something so beautiful when I see a couple. I don't know, but something in me just is so tired up when I see couples. Hallelujah. Okay. I think we can pray right now and roll into the word of God. Amen. Heavenly Father, we bless you, we honor you, we magnify you, and we celebrate you for who you are. Thank you for giving me this opportunity that I can stand before the saints and I surrender all to you. May you come and speak through me. I am but a vessel. Speak through me. Let not my words come forth. But let the words you want this congregation to hear come out of my mouth. I am all yours. Now do what you want, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good. I love everything I'm saying. A lot of changes. But it looks so beautiful. Amen. Yes. You came with your Bibles? Thank you. You came with your notebooks? Yes, I believe you can write something down in one way or another. 
So I am so excited. I'm very encouraged that we're going to be sharing the word of God together. We're going to get into the word and our lives will not remain the same. Amen. Good to see you. Hallelujah. Our lives will not remain the same. You have your Bible? Got your notebook? Okay. Okay, you got your iPad, your tablets, and all that stuff, you know? Because <laughs> I believe that, uh, you know, technology is coming and it's a blessing to us to have this technology flowing in. Probably the only thing you won't accept here are the, those uh, desktops, okay? Because you don't have the desk in here. But the rest is permitted. Am I right? Amen. Okay, come with me to the book of Ruth. Ruth, R-U-T-H. Probably that's a book maybe we don't really go into so much. We kind of think, okay, Ruth, and so what? What happened to her? Well, something. Amen. When I look at this book of Ruth, it just blesses my heart, and uh, it's got so much. It's very rich, and it's going to change you this very morning. Amen? It's a very rich book, but so often we probably don't take a look at it, and we just consider the book of uh, Ruth, and we look at Ruth, but I think it's got, I'm not going to follow that path tonight. I'm going to take a deeper look at somebody else in the book of Ruth. Hallelujah. Ruth chapter 1 and verse, Ruth, you're there? Chapter 1. And verse 19. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were came to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. All the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? It's a question. Is this Naomi? It was a state of shock. It was a state of utter disturbance. What they were seeing is not what they expected to see. Okay? What they were seeing is not what they had expected to see. That is not what they had expected to see. Is this Naomi? You hear that question? The Bible says this is Naomi and Ruth. You get it? And they're all going in to this place. I guess I'm going to have to use another mic. I guess I'm not. <laughs> yes, probably you got to give me that one. Amen. Guess I'm not used to this yet. Amen. Now this is better. Hallelujah. Now this is what happens. So they too, who are the two? They went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass 
when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city. Man, do you know what it means for the entire city to be moved, to be stirred up because of you? That all the city was moved, amen, about them. And they said, is this Naomi? All the city was moved about them. And what was the answer of Naomi? Verse 20. And she said unto them, this is Naomi standing before an entire city. <laughs> standing before an entire city. And listen to what she declares. Call me not Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. The Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Now I want to bring something and you are going to be able to understand this reality. What defines you? What defines you? I want you to listen carefully because I'm going to go slowly by slowly. He comes over here. Two people are coming in. You know the story of Ruth. You know she has lost, I mean, her husband. And Naomi has lost her husband too. Right? So Naomi has two sons. Ruth loses her husband. When Ruth loses her husband, Naomi not only loses her husband, but loses her two sons. Okay, two sons are destroyed. And what remains of her are the widows of her sons. And Naomi comes in and looks at the circumstances around her and she considers them and the circumstances begin to define her. She looks around and says, Naomi means pleasant. Okay? But when she comes back, she's telling everybody, don't you call me pleasant. Don't you call me that good stuff. I don't like it anymore. Because you don't know what God has done to me. You don't know how God has messed me up. I want to tell you, I had two sons. He killed them. I had a husband. He killed him. So because of what is happening around me, I'm going to change my name. I'm going to change the way I see myself. I'm going to admit that God, you want to beat me up? You want to kill me? Okay, you can go ahead and have your bowl. I'm seated here. Go ahead and kill me. After all, you killed my husband and then you killed my two sons. And what do you want else? You can destroy me. This whole thing about being pleasant, I am not pleasant. This whole thing about whatever you said about me, it doesn't make sense. Because whatever you said is contradicting with everything around me. Whatever you say contradicts everything around me. Where are you, oh God? In fact, you are to blame for whatever I'm going through. I believe I'm speaking to somebody this morning. You are to blame for whatever I am going through. 
there's something. When bad things begin to happen around us, we usually do not understand the hand of God. We are so apt to look inwardly instead of looking above. We look on the inside. And what do we get? For in me lies nothing good. When we look on the inside, we become self-absorbed. We cannot do anything when we are looking on the inside. All we think about is me and how I can fix it. Me and what, how am I going to do this? Lord, this is about me. I got good news for you, honey. This is not about you. This is not about you. You may have lost your husband. You may have lost your two sons. You may have lost everything that God ever brought your way. But it is not about you. There is an invisible hand that is putting things together. You may not understand it, but there is an invisible hand. Let me tell you something. When you begin to trust God or when you look at circumstances and you think, I am not pleasing anymore. I am not the righteousness of God anymore. Because if I was the righteousness of God, then stuff wouldn't be happening my way the way it's happening. I got good news for you. Being the righteousness of God does not stop stuff from happening. He don't stop stuff from happening. Stuff will happen when you are the righteousness of God. When you are the pleasing one of God, stuff will happen. But why does it happen? It may be started by the devil. It may be started by even those who hate you. It may be started by your own wrong decisions. But let me tell you something here. Very, very powerful that God's hand is able to weave something, is able to build something. And need. I remember growing up, I used to see mama and she would grab a needle and she would just be doing this, doing this. And most of the times you don't see nothing. You don't see nothing. Does anybody here know this stuff? Uh huh. You don't see nothing until she does this. All you see is a needle. All you see is something that can cause pain. All you see is something that can cause pain, but you don't understand that he is weaving something. He is putting something together. He is mixing up something, no matter what is happening. He is God, God Almighty. And you cannot blame him for whatever is going on around you. Because he's got better plans for you. He's got greater plans for you. You cannot blame him. The entire city was moved and he came in. And here they could not still see. You see, when you think that you put your focus on circumstances, you begin looking inwardly. Say after me. When you put your focus on circumstances... 
You begin looking inward. And this is what happens. When you look inward, you are blinded to God. You can't look inward and see God at the same time. There's got to be one point of focus. And it's going to be God. You can't look inside and then see God at the same time. No. That's why when you look inside, you begin complaining. When you look inside, you begin murmuring. When you look inside, you begin asking questions. But there's so much around you. If God may open your eyes this morning. So much around you to show you that there's something you're going to thank God for. Naomi looked inward and was very, very self-absorbed. All she could think about was me, myself and I. She could not even see the love of a daughter-in-law. Ah. You know, usually we know that stuff about daughters-in-law and, you know, mothers-in-law. But let me tell you, this was a bitter mother-in-law. But there was a daughter who said, you can beat me up. You can do whatever you want to do. But I'm looking for the good in your life. There is something that is still pleasant in you. I don't care how you mess yourself up, mama. There's still something good on the inside of you. I may not have everything. I may have lost my husband, but I still believe in you, mama. And what was mama doing? I don't like nothing. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. I don't need it. But this woman said... There's something good in you. Now look at this. This daughter had been married to her son. This son was worshiping the God of Israel. But when things, circumstances came in, then she started even telling her, go back to your gods. What level of insensitivity and selfishness and self-centeredness do we get up to? Your son married a Moabite girl. Your son drew that girl over here. That girl has something about your God. But because you are looking to yourself, you think everything is about you. You think everything is all about me or nothing. What do you do? You are willing to even let her go back to the foreign gods. Because you're not willing to hold on to being pleasant. Whether I've lost everything, I am still pleasant. Whether I've fallen a thousand times, I am still pleasant. Whether I have broken everything, I am still pleasant. Oh my God. It's about looking on the inside. When, you know, this is what you've been told. There's a, there's a popular secular song years ago that I heard. I know beyond a reasonable doubt it came from America. Yes, it did. There's a hero. If you look inside you. No, God isn't calling you to look inside. Because that is disastrous. 
when you look inside, you're going to become so self-centered. And when you become self-centered, you are going to try to take control of everything. And you're going to become manipulative. Uh, 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 manipulative. Because you want to use everybody for you. You are never grateful over anything. You think everything rotates around you. Because you know what? You've lost trust. What do I do when everything else is falling apart? Trust. Trust is what will help you stay as pleasant no matter what happens around you, no matter what everybody says of you. When you trust in God, you're going to be so pleasant. And when you trust in God, this is about faith in God. Let me tell you something. (laughs) This is going to change you for good. We all believe in Jesus We all say we trust in Jesus. But when I'm talking about trust in Jesus, I am not talking about trusting that he exists. Because demons can do that better. The Bible says they believe that he is and they tremble. Okay, so that's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about complete surrender, complete yielding, Irrespective of the circumstances. It is called trust. It is called faith in God. This faith in God. How did you become righteous? Did you fast fast 21 days and you became righteous? No. You believed in God and you became what? Righteous. Your faith was counted as righteousness. I am not ashamed of the gospel of God because it is the power of God unto salvation. Fast to the Jews and unto the gospel to all those that believe. And this righteousness we have received, which is from faith to faith. Hallelujah. The day you got born again, you received faith. And it is written, the just shall live by faith. So when you got born again, you received what? Faith. The moment you walked into church and you hang around a lot of church folk, you lost faith. (laughs) You know, you meet us because we've been around for quite a long time and the moment you come in, we feel like, uh-huh. So you, you, you want to find out how do we do these things? Uh-huh. Then what do we do? We teach you how we've kept our traditions. And we're telling you that that's how you believe. <laughs> and faith is kicked out. So at the end of the day, yes, you were born again. You are the righteousness of God. But let me tell you something. From faith to faith, when you got born again, the next thing you need is to start walking by faith. Now, that is not an option. 
It is a command. The just shall live by faith. Okay, I'm going to go slow and say it again. The just shall live. That word live means be alive. Okay, shall be alive by faith. That means if faith is not there for the just, they shall be dead. Okay, okay. <laughs> when the faith is not there, they shall be dead. Now, I know most of us will say, well, brother, it depends because there's a lot of things. God knows. God knows I, I, I can yield to him whatever he wants to. But, you know, there's some stuff, you know, I, I'm working on it. No, you see, I didn't come here to help you work on it. I came here to tell you that the just shall live by faith. And I'm not trying to tell you start working on it. I'm telling you, believe it. That's all. Believe it and take it. The just shall live by faith. And this is what happens. This is what we are missing. We are pleasant. We are righteous. But when circumstances begin happening around us, we begin doubting. We wonder what is going on. In fact, we actually, if you don't live by faith, you cannot walk in righteousness. You cannot. You know why? You know why? Simply because righteousness is simply God still at work in you. And faith is saying, God, you are at work in me. Where faith is, faith comes where knowledge is. Where knowledge is, faith shall be. Because you know, you know God. And this faith thing is all about trust, actually. It's all about trust. You're saying, God, you know what? I trust and I know you. Now, let me tell you something. If you know what God has said, if you know everything about God or whatever he has been able to reveal to you and you understand that, then ladies and gentlemen, faith begins. God is expecting you to depend on him. And not for you to think he's mad at me, but you start depending on him. You start depending on him because this is the reality. When you depend on him, it is about trust. No, faith comes as you know him. If I am not in faith, I don't know him. I know this might sound heavy, but it is simple. If I am not in faith, I don't know him. And I cannot know him <laughs> until I engage him. I cannot know him. I can come to church. I can do everything that church folk do, but without knowing him. Because if I really know him, I'm going to trust him because trust is a relationship issue. 
I'm in relation with God. To relate is to connect. That means if I am connected to God, I'm relating with God so I can trust God. Any relationship that doesn't have trust is a disaster. Is a disaster. But why do we believe that if God is around, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, he will, I know, I know he understands me. I, should, I don't have to trust, but he understands me. He knows what I'm going through. Let me tell you what he understands is that you have failed to trust him. That's what he understands. He doesn't understand what you're going through. He understands your failure to trust him irrespective of what you're going through. That is what he's picking up. When you love a woman and she can trust you, <laughs> what happens? If you go back home, she's cooked a meal, she's done all this thing, but she can trust you because she says, you know what? When she serves, it's going to be duty. It's not going to be love. Now, when we are not trusting God, we are in religion. We don't have a relationship. We don't have it. We can keep ourselves in church. We can run to church. We can do everything, but we are in religion. And that's why when circumstances come in, they test our faith. They test who we are. We no longer know what defines us. What defines us is the character. Not the circumstances. And God has already given us righteousness by faith. And no matter what we face, we must keep the faith. But there's no trust. Why? Because when I trust, then I cannot look inside. But I'm, I feel safe when I look inside. Are you with me? Because when I look inside, it gives me a sense of control. When I look inside, then I know how everything is going to be. I know how it's all going to work out. Because I'm looking to me and I have become my own God. Now, y'all are going to have to believe me this morning. I have become my own God. So I can be able to stand up against the creator of heaven and earth and say, you made my life so bitter. As a matter of fact, have you had people, pastors running away from ministry? You've had people running away from church? Why? They couldn't trust God. They kept on doing whatever they could do until they were worn out. But when I trust God, let me tell you, my fulfillment is not in being rewarded. It's in being able to trust. Oh, I got to say that again. When I trust God, my fulfillment is not in the results. The results are good. It's in the act itself. Because I was born to trust. I was designed to depend on another. I was designed to rely on another. 
not on myself. To rely on another. So I can't raise up my voice. I can't ask questions. You know, in religion, this is what we've been told. Just ask God, why are bad things happening to you? I have your answer. You don't have to ask him. Asking appears to be like, okay, you know God, you actually don't. You don't. When you know him, you trust him. You're relying on him. You may not understand why everything is happening, but you know that he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So I may not understand whatever is going on, but I'm going to keep my trust. I'm going to keep my focus. And I'm going to rely on him because at the end of the day, everything, He's weaving something. But we need to trust him. We need to depend on him. He's weaving something. Because when you start to trust, this is what happens. You become contented. The only reason we can't be contented is we can't trust. I want to fix this thing. I want to make sure. I, I got to know how it's all going to come out. Yeah, yes, pastor, I can believe, but uh, how, how, how is it going to come out? You see, this is what I call brutal trust. Trust that is brutal. You understand that? In other words, you're saying, God, whatever comes out, I'm yours. Whatever comes out, I'm yours. That is called trust. You shouldn't be bothered by the results. You are interested in the engagement. In the engagement. Do you hear me very well? And you see, when you trust, you become content. And that's where Paul said, I have learned to be content, <laughs> whether in plenty or in scarcity, for I have known the secret that I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength, who gives me the strength. I want you to see that kind of living. How far, how close are you? To that kind of living. I have learned to be content. Whether people like me or not. <laughs> to many of you, the only time you're content is when everybody's clapping their hands for you. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you're in bad shape. Okay? Because the day them hand claps stop. Yeah. 
God, what's going on? You got to tell me how I can fix this. You got to tell me how I can fix this. No, you needed to trust. And when you trust, you get to know that he is sovereign no matter what is happening. He is in charge. He is in control. I am not in control. So if he is in control, I can be contented. Let the fire blow. Let the wind blow. Let the rain fall. I shall not be moved. You know why? Because I am not in charge. When the fire blows. When the rain falls. I'm sticking to what he told me. I'm holding on to what he said. Come hell, come high waters. I am not moved. For they that trust in him are like Mount Zion. (laughs) Are like Mount Zion. They shall not be moved. So if you claim to trust, but you're being moved by the circumstances, you ain't trusting. Hey, hey, hey. You ain't trusting. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me this morning? Let me show you something. You become contented because you've trusted. And guess what? This contentment will trigger patience. this contentment shall trigger patience and you know what patience is my simple definition (laughs) hallelujah do you know that patience is expression of love first corinthians 13 the first expression of love is what love is patient. In other words, irrespective of what is happening around, my hope stays alive. I will still hope. Patience is love hoping. <laughs> Patience is love hoping. Believing it doesn't matter what I see right now. It's going to turn out for my good. Love is at work. It doesn't matter what I see. It's going to work out for my good. Love hopes on and on. That's why when I look at patience, it's love hoping, expecting. So if I become impatient with my buddy, impatient with my spouse, hey, hey. Love has lost hope. (laughs) And how can love lose hope? That means if I become impatient with you, then I don't love you. Hey, okay, okay. I know know that sounds a little too heavy. No, it's not heavy. It's not heavy. If I am impatient, I am not loving. I know you see, 
With us guys, you feel like, oh, yeah, go to be a man. Yeah. I remember when I just married my wife, I would say, hey, honey, I think we need to do this. Because uh, I had grown up thinking, oh, yeah, man, you got to be he, he, you know, you sure, and all that kind of stuff. And one time I come back home and say, hey, honey, but I told you, you need to do this. And she say, you don't talk to me like that again. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I think I heard that. <laughs> and I was, I went back, went into my closet and I said, God, something is going wrong. Did you hear what she, the way she spoke to me? Did you hear that? Something is going wrong. She cannot, that's how they start. And they begin graduating slowly by slowly. <laughs> and God said, Son, you don't talk to her like that. I say, okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. And says, your challenge is you're impatient. And the reason you're impatient is because you don't trust me that I'm in charge. Ah. Ah. Ah, my God. This stuff is just so... Real, you don't trust me that I'm in church. She may do anything, but as long as you keep expecting to see me in this situation, you're going to love that girl and she's going to turn around. <sighs> Man, that is called trust. You don't depend on anything but God. You're literally saying, God, no matter what comes my way, if I fail, it's you failing. You don't have anywhere to run to. I remember one day I was, this is on many occasions, but once we were in our house and uh, my wife came to me and said, honey, you know what? Uh, we thank God for food. When she says that, I know what she means. I understand that there's nothing. And I looked at her. We, she had done the lunch. And uh, there was never going to be dinner. There was nothing. And she was getting ready to prepare the evening some tea for the babies. So they could have something. And I told her, let me tell you something. I have nowhere to run to, but I am not providing for this home because I am Cyrus. I provide because I trust. And I told her this, do what you got to do, but let's get in the kitchen. We walked into the kitchen and I started saying, let's sing, let's sing. And I started, I was young, but now I'm older. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor the children begging for bread. I was young, and now I'm older. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. And God gave me that song. 
and I've never forgotten it. I just started singing it in the kitchen. And my wife, because it was a song that just came in, and my wife didn't know how to follow it. She was just saying, mm, mm, mm. She didn't know what was going on, but she knew I was in faith, and I told her, baby, we have food. And I started moving around and saying, these pans are able to cook food. These pans can cook food. There's food in this house. We can never go hungry. God, you are our faith and our everything. And I said, and there was nothing. I said, instead of allowing any negative thought, I'm going to keep on singing. I'm going to keep on speaking that we have food in the house. We have food in the house. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be scared. And let me tell you, while we were still there, we had a knock at the door. Oh, yeah. We had a knock at the door. And here is somebody I had ministered to two years earlier, two years earlier and helped them where they were and God changed his life and is knocking at the door and he's saying, Pastor, oh my, I say, what brings you here? He says, let me tell you, I was coming about 400 miles away from here and God told me, I want you to stop and do some shopping of groceries I want you to go and see that man. And I said, God, it's been two years. I don't even know where he's, whether he still lives in the same place. And he told him, just do it. He said, I just obeyed. Come see what I got in the car. And I stepped out and my wife, tears rolled down her eyes. Ah. <sighs> Let me tell you something. There is a God that can be depended on. There is a God that can be trusted. That can be trusted. That can be trusted. The man opened up his trunk. There was milk. There was food, there was sugar, there was bread, there was stuff to take us an entire week. And I came in, put everything in the house and the man drove out and my wife looked at me and she said, come here, give me a hug, come here. Cause it was too much, too much. She said, come here. I said, you told me when you married me that the only thing you have is faith. But honestly, I can trust you. I can trust you. Let me tell you this. Here in America, your trust levels have been going down. You know why? Because you got everything. You got everything. If you don't have food, some church is going to provide it. You have no opportunity to say, God. You either come here or you come here. 
Why? Because every time you want to trust God, something else comes in to fix it. You want to trust God, but Kamasha shows up on TV. Bad credit, no credit, you have credit, whatever credit. You just, you just call this number. And you're not giving God an opportunity to show himself mighty on your behalf. Let me tell you, do you think the God of Africa is different from the God of America? He's the same God that we worship, that is looking for somebody who can dare him. Who can dare him? Let me tell you this. Elijah stood and he spoke the word of God and he said, there shall be no rain for three years. And famine hit the land. And God told him, I want you to go down to the brook. For I have commanded ravens to feed you. I have commanded ravens to do what? To feed you. And Elijah said, yes, sir. He went down to the brook. And he said, when everybody else when people were dying because of hunger, Elijah was feeding on bread and meat, steak. When others were dying because of hunger. I'm going to tell you something. God is not embarrassed to feed you when the whole world is dying. He's not embarrassed. He fed one man. When the world around him was collapsing. And none of them was eaten. And it was only Elijah eating. Because Elijah trusted him. Elijah trusted him. And he sat there and he received direct provision. Provision. No one in between. And as time went on. Because God knows how to weave. Situations are getting worse. The brook dries because of the famine. Because the sun is too much. The brook dries. When it dries, God comes to him and says, I want you to go to Zarephath. I have commanded a widow over there to feed you. Now, God didn't say there's a millionaire in Zarephath. He said there's a widow. How do you command a widow to feed this man that is used to steak and bread? You need to command a wealthy man, right? Not with God. You know why? Because all things are his. It doesn't matter who you are. You don't need to be a millionaire to obey God. You just need to trust him. Knowing that he owns everything I have. And this is what happens. He owns everything I have. And what happens? Elijah comes in and says, woman, give me food to eat. 
honestly, all I have is for me and my, my little boy. We're going to eat. That's not the end of the story. You probably don't know what's been happening around here. I got to fill you in. We're going to die. Because my neighbor just died. And the other person just died. Now, we're next in line. Why was she going to die? Because she couldn't trust God. But God in his mercy had to say, I know unless I let this brook dry, I won't be able to save the other family. Perhaps that little boy is going to minister my word, but his mama is so obsessed with self that mama can trust me. Now I'm going to bypass everything. I'm going to get the brook to dry so that I stop providing directly so that I can connect. Uh, you see, when we come to church, I've had people say, if it is God who told you to do it, then he's got to bring the money up from heaven and it comes to you. I got good news for you. If he told you to do it, then he can also use another person. Because if he doesn't use the people, then there are people that are so self-absorbed, so full of themselves that they cannot trust. The only thing they trust is their savings. Hear me very well. Your savings don't protect you in times of famine. They don't. They don't. And they can't. And to prove that to you, this is the same thing that happened when the famine hit Egypt. For seven years, it was plenty. Then seven years was supposed to be famine. But you know, there was never a famine that lasted seven years. In the time of Joseph. Oh, come on, you guys are Bible scholars. You can go study it. It was never there. There was only plenty for seven years. In the second year of the famine, Joseph's family comes to Egypt. And it's within that same period that these people begin seeing whatever is happening. And they come to Joseph and say, Do not give us food, give us seed. That we may live, we and our children's children may live, give us seed. They asked for food, and every time they asked for food, oh, their savings kept going down. It was until they said seed, because their land was taken, everything was taken, and they said, okay, we don't want food, we want seed now. Why? Because now we're going to trust God to put this seed out in famine. <laughs> We're going to trust God to put the seed out in famine. We can't wait years more. Ladies and gentlemen, when, the when they received seed, the Bible never mentions of famine again. 
There was never seven full years. Why? Some people with a revelation of trusting God said it's not about just eating food. It is about casting the seed away and looking to you to cause the increase. And that is what happened to the widow. God said, you can depend on your savings. Look, from the time you started tapping them, they've been shrinking. They they don't increase. They shrink because all you do is get them and eat. Get them and eat. All you think about is you, yourself, and your baby. You, yourself, and your baby. Why? Because I'm a widow. I got good news for you. If you are in here and you are not married, don't even excuse yourself. Don't even lock yourself up and say, well, nobody cares about me. Well, the word of God is the same. If you're going to dare trust God, he can change your life around. The savings went like this. And God said, this fool is about to die. You know what, Elijah? I'm changing operation. I'm not going to give it to you. Okay? Them ravens no more. I want you to go over here. Okay? Now when you come over here, and do you know when Elijah got there, God hadn't even, I mean, the woman seems like she didn't hear anything from God. Yet God told Elijah, I have commanded. But it was upon Elijah to speak what God had told him. He said, give me food because I know God commanded you. Huh? Yeah, give me food. Well, I think we need to behave because you feed the baby first. And then. No, we don't feed the baby first. We obey God first. And the challenge here has been a lot of resources. A lot of opportunities. And so you feel, I can't help, but I'm going to just do it my way. There's no opportunity to trust God. Why does, do I bring the trust element here when it comes to giving away? Why? Because giving helps you lose control. Giving helps you lose control. And you know your greatest fear? Losing control. Do you know what it means when all you have is your baby? Huh? And you've been feeding your baby, and now you're about to die, and your baby die. But all that's happening because you've been in control. You couldn't trust God. All you do is, okay, one plus one equals two. So God will tell you one plus one is zero. The equation doesn't match up. It doesn't match up. I'm going to teach you how to trust him, how to let go because you become vulnerable. When you trust, you become what? Vulnerable. You're not depending on anything. And there is no relationship that can be strong until you can relate 
in vulnerability. And trust makes you vulnerable. So you're connecting with God and everything else is changing. God is working in you this morning. Can you get to a point where you say, no matter what is happening around me, I am still pleasing to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That means no matter what is happening, I am still in faith. I am still trusting. I'm still believing. I'm relying on you, oh God. I'll say this to you. You're going to see the hand of God Almighty. God is not limited. Whether it's Trump in office or Obama in office, God is not limited. Do you hear me? God is able to cause all grace to abound. Can you trust? Can you trust? And let me say this to somebody. This is just for a person here. Domineering over your spouse will not cause her to trust you. But it will cause her to fear you. And that will kill the relationship. Trust her. Even when you don't feel like it. But because you trust God, you can trust that woman. Trust that woman. And I say this. That's a word for somebody here. I hear it so clearly. Trust that woman. And let her know you are home to her. Don't just domineer over her. Trust her. And this morning, we're talking about trust. Whatever it is, God is speaking to you. I've had this church doing a lot of things and all this. But if you're going to go in, if you hear and you don't do, then whatever you've heard is stolen away. That's how the devil steals the word. He lets you hear it, but he don't let you do it. Because if you don't do it, it doesn't stick. But when you do it, it sticks. You've heard the cry. What defines you? Is it faith? Or your own understanding? You've got to be faith in the character of God. That he never changes. He is still the same. And everything else will change. You've got to open up your heart. Dear God this morning. Let's start a journey. For you to dare God. For you to dare God. Because trust is brutal. It doesn't just come in slowly. No. I know this is what we've been told. That you know what? After a while you will learn how to trust. Your wife cheats on you and say after a while you will learn how to trust. No, you don't understand. You don't feel trust. You will eat. 
Uh-huh. You say, I will trust in you. Ah, but, but I don't feel it. You don't have to. You don't have to. You say, I will trust in you. That's what David always said. I will trust in you. And it made him vulnerable. <laughs> it made him vulnerable. I'll say this to you. You will to trust God. If he tells you, come and be part of this church. Bring a check to this church. Why do I mention a check? Why do I mention the money? Unless you can get off that money thing. You can't trust God. Because money is going to fix your everything. But until, because money always plays God, but it's not God. It says, I'll give you the happiness you want. I'll give you, I'll provide for you. But no, God is the provider. Money is just a tool. So when you sit like this, you got to come to a point where you say, I loved it when this young man was saying, I've learned to trust God. I've learned to just give even when I don't feel like it. I mean, I say, God, I'm going to dare you. I'm going to do this. The reality is this. If you step out and get hold of that check and you say, I believe in this church. I believe in what they're doing. God, between you and me, I'm going to present it to this church. Between you and me, you've got to make a bold move. Wow. A bold move. When I married my wife, we started out no kids. And she looked at me and said, she told me years after we were married and said, do you know what? When I came into your house where you were, I had to go and tell mama something. I thought there was a problem. We had a problem. I said, what was that? Said, I went and told her, mama, we've got issues in the house. And my mama asked, what is it? Tell me. Said, my husband gives too much. <laughs> and do you know what her mama told her? And I think that's a spirit of poverty trying to come into the house. We got to bind it and break it off of your husband. So he can't just keep giving things away like that. And they prayed where I didn't know. To break the spirit of giving off my life because it's going to cause poverty in the house. Years later, since that spirit went into my wife, it just couldn't go. It just started sharing into my wife. And my wife said, I tell you this because I have seen God. You refuse, you would say, honey, how much food do we have? Could you get hold of that food? I think, uh, let's call so-and-so, let them share that. Let's call so-and-so, let them shove that. Let's call so-and-so. She said, every time you would do that, it disturbed me, but I yielded to you because you are my husband. I trusted that there's something in you. But today, my goodness, she's the one doing it. She's the one doing it. What do I mean? 
Ladies and gentlemen, Life Church of Columbia, it's not that I'm looking for money. Nah. Ladies and gentlemen, I've learned how to walk without money. I've learned how to see God provide. I've learned. But to let you go free, you got to learn how to get hold of what has been your strength. And you say, I come to you, God. Here. I want a new beginning. I want to trust you. I want to trust you. Do you hear me? I want to do what? Trust you. One time I was preaching in, in Angerton years ago. This man of God after preaching came to me and said, but you've not told us your needs. I said, was I supposed to? And I said, every missionary that kind of comes about here tells us their needs. I said, well, I just did what God told me to do, and he takes care of me. And he said, I won't allow you to go like that. I will not allow it. You've got to tell me something. I said, what do you want me to tell you? He said, tell me something, anything, anything. Anything. Then he looked and said, can I give you a car? I say, thank you. He said, okay, you got it. I've given you a car. And he gave me a car. No stress, no struggle. I do what he tells me to do. Life Church of Columbia. I want to challenge you. I'm from Africa. But this is going to change your life. I challenge you. To get a seed. It's not mine. No. For this very church. You hear me? Get a seed. Write a check. And it's you saying God. Between you and me. I need to dare you. I think I've depended on myself so much. I've relied on myself so much. I need to step out. I need to know what you say. Hallelujah. Let me tell you. And it begins with me. Everything I have. Hallelujah. If you're going to write a check, you're going to write it. I've never done this here. Never. But when it comes to trust, I'm calling upon you. I'm calling upon you. Not everybody, but you that has believed the word. Trust God. Dare God. Your savings are not enough, you know it. And you look at yourself, you say, God, how am I going to make it after that? It's not about you. It's about trust. Okay, where are we going to put this? Hallelujah, right here. I'm going to tell you, unless you get yourself off that money, God, trust will be a problem. And I'm going to say this. That means everybody here, it might be one dollar. It might be one dollar. The widow had all that was left. 
That means nobody is exempted. You didn't hear me. Okay, look at me. Nobody is exempted. Even if you're going to say, Pastor, I'm going to come back. I left it at home, but I'll bring it. I want to start trust with God. Money will not be my God. The more I give, the more vulnerable I become before God, and God can be able to develop my relationship with him. I told you back home, they always said, that man gives a lot. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm not in lack. I've told you back home, let me tell you some of the things that we've been able to do, even just with your support. We were able to buy pieces of land for two different pastors. Two different pastors. We've been able to rescue a pastor whose land was being taken away because he couldn't afford money for a title. And we gathered and I told everybody, we need to love our own. We raised the money, got the title, and we told the pastor, keep preaching the gospel because of your support. Not only that, a pastor was planning to close and go back home to his village because he could not afford rent anymore. I looked at him and God said, yeah, do something. I told him, I'm going to pay your rent for a year. And he looked at me. He broke down and he cried. He said, I was planning to leave. By faith, I started paying his rent. God started providing I paid his rent. Three months into paying his rent, somebody else came in and said, you know what? God told me to give you a piece of land. You don't have to go back to village. You're going to build a house. And the piece of land came in. And then he started building in a house. By the time the year was over, he had his own house. If I can do that when I'm in Africa, you think I expect less from you? Okay, you have your seed? Do you have it? Do you have it? Has everybody heard me very well? You don't, what's wrong? Have you heard me well? Okay, you know, I'm not going to pray for you. How many of you are going to be, oh, you need Pray for me so when I give it in, I'm blessed. No, this is what I'm going to tell you. It is you and your God. It is you and your God. You talk to your God. And what he tells you is what you obey him. And once you've obeyed God, you don't need prayers. When you obey God, you don't need what? When Jesus obeyed him, he didn't go around telling people, guys, I'm obeying, but I really need your prayers. I'm obeying. No, you just obey. Leave the rest to the one who told you. Lord, I thank you because I gave what I had. And I'm glad you've given me the opportunity to trust you. Much more. That I'm not defined by the money. 
I'm not defined by what is happening around me. I am still pleasing to you. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.